Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast sponsored by the National Honey Board, your resource for Mother Nature's true sweetener. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking. In this season, I'm talking with Rebecca Abel, owner of Divine Cookies in Taylor, Michigan. From starting a bakery to moving into the first big facility to strategic growth and operations and product development, Rebecca and I are looking at cookie production through the lens of an entrepreneur. In this episode, we're taking a look at the early days of Divine and a young entrepreneur's choice to manufacture cookies. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Joni. So I am really excited for this season of troubleshooting innovation because I've I've gotten to know you over the past few months, and I just love your story. And I think you've got a lot to share with the industry and sort of getting back to the roots for commercial cookie production. So I guess the first thing that I want to talk to you about is just hearing the story of how Divine Cookies came to be. And it's really interesting to me because you didn't start out as a baker. Until Divine, what were your areas of expertise and what led you to baking? Well, I've always been an entrepreneur. I can remember even as a child starting little businesses and knowing that someday I wanted to create a really big business. Most of my career has been as a financial planner, money manager, and I continued to do that and built a business around that and grew that to a certain level that I am sustaining that and really wanted a new challenge. I have always loved eating desserts, but have never been, you know, have never been a baker. And so about five years ago, I started seeing cookies really trending. And I just had this deep knowing that cookies was something that I should pursue. I had tried some other business ventures along the way and some other foods, but cookies really resonated with me. And, and that kind of was the beginning of Divine. That's so awesome. At what point did that entrepreneurial bug bite? You said that you kind of looked at some other things and you got into food a little bit. What were some of those businesses that you considered and how did you land on cookies? So about 10 years ago, I had an idea for a a vegetable-infused mac and cheese and I started doing R&D for that and creating a product and just wasn't feeling that strong intuition that this is the right thing to move forward. So I dabble in a lot of different ideas in my head and try to put something together. But with cookies, I was in New York City and saw a huge line down the block for a well-known bakery that I was standing in the line of. And during that time, I just had this feeling that, you know what, Michigan, where I'm from and live, needs something like this. So I started more on the retail route thinking, you know what, we need a store like this. We don't have something like this in our area. And that put the idea in my head. And then I came back and was dismissing it because, again, I'm not a baker. I really, I didn't even have a cookie sheet, to be honest. No flour. I'm not the mom that bakes cookies, but I love eating cookies. And I knew that cookies were accessible enough that I could quickly learn and study different recipes and learn baking. I'm I'm a fast learner and I love learning and challenging myself. So 
the idea for cookies really came from standing in a line for what I thought was a really amazing cookie and thought to myself, you know, what if I took this cookie and made it into 40 different flavors and stuffed it and topped it and did all sorts of wacky things with it? You know, I, I think that this could be an offshoot of of a good cookie. See, I love this because most bakers that I talked to had this passion and this love for baking that they turned into a business. You have a passion and a love for business that you turned into baking. Definitely. Yeah, I've always loved business. I I knew, like I said, as a child, I wanted to create a big company. I just didn't know what. And I have started a lot of little companies and ventures along the way and have my other business as well still. But yeah, my passion was for entrepreneurship and have a passion for eating the desserts, like I said. But it surprised everyone I knew when I told them that I was going to create a a national cookie company. It was almost humorous to some of my my friends and family. Okay. So I want to sort of walk through the startup because I think this is just incredibly fascinating. So starting a business, I mean, you have to have the business plan in place. You have to know what the product is that you're going to sell. You've got to secure that financing. So how did all of these pieces come together? How did you come up with the concept for the product? And what sort of research did you do to try to figure out what that cookie was going to be and how many flavors you were going to have? And how did sort of the entrepreneurialism and your business and and finance mindset, how did they come together to create a product that you had no experience making? So it was September of 2017, and this really strong intuition came over me that cookies was going to be my next thing. And so a month before, I had been in New York, and I had, like I said, stood in this line for a really good cookie. And so it was this fall day that I just had this gut feeling. So I I literally went to the store that afternoon, printed about 10 different chocolate chip cookie recipes and just started baking and thought to myself, okay, let me, let me see what I can come up with. So there wasn't this well thought out plan before I started this initial R and D. I thought, okay, let me see if I can come up with some really good cookies that are in this kind of style of tons of chocolate, really thick type of cookie, knowing that once I had a base down, I was going to expand it. You know, in my head, I needed to come up with a concept, and then I was going to put it on steroids with making all these different luxurious flavors. And, you know, I like over-the-top, really indulgent desserts. So from there, you know, I spent about two weeks coming up with recipes and literally let things happen organically. I wasn't sure what my plan was going to be, but, you know, obviously I had to have a product to start with. And so I made a bunch of cookies about 10 different options, sampled them with friends and family, and had one that I really liked. You know, some people are wine connoisseurs and, you know, have a talent for really spotting great wines. For me, it's with desserts. So I knew, you know, when I landed on my recipe, and I I didn't use any one recipe. I combined elements of several recipes. So it was my own recipe. I just had to learn about, you know, how this ingredient affected that ingredient, different types of flour, and, you know, sampled a bunch of different types of chocolates. So I came up with my recipe 
and then started coming up with different combinations. So I ordered literally every type of chocolate on the market, whether it was white chocolate or caramel or you know, everything that you could possibly put in a cookie and just started coming up with some different combinations and made about five different products. At the same time, after I had my cookie makeup, I decided I was going to launch really small. So I was going to build a Shopify website and put it out on Facebook with friends and family and just start small and see if anybody would buy these cookies. Uh, I didn't start with their storefront or anything like that. So I, I was now in, let's say, November of 2017 and was building my Shopify website, had about five different flavors that I had come up with of really over-the-top decadent variations of that chocolate chip cookie that, you know, I initially came up with and just launched, just put it out there. Didn't, hadn't spent much money, but I figured I had to prove a concept and see if people liked this cookie that I liked. And things took off instantly. I had, uh, you know, I was going into December and that was gift giving season. Got some business from some different uh, gifting needs in that month. And it was a great start. Obviously, there was a lot more that went into it. I had to find a production spot, so I, I rented some space in a church kitchen, and I put an ad on next door in my neighborhood, and I found four different women that wanted to come in and do some baking. So I kept it really simple initially, just didn't overthink it and just launched and figured, okay, let's just see how this goes. Was that by design, starting that small and really taking those baby steps with making it for friends and family, starting a website, putting it out on Facebook, then going running a kitchen, going to next door and getting a couple people who just wanted to help you out in their spare time. Was that by design from your business background? Or were you truly like, okay, let's just try this. All right, this is going well. Let's take it to the next level. Like, Did it happen organically or did you plan it this way? Well, I planned that I didn't want to invest in something until I had proven my concept. So I wasn't going to build out a whole storefront and put a lot of money into this until I could see that there was somebody would pay money for this decadent, really good cookie and, and at least establish that people liked what I thought they would like. So I knew, obviously, my plan was never to have a small operation, just be working in a church kitchen and making, you know, a couple thousand cookies. It was to be something massive. But yeah, it was very intentional to start small and at least put something out there. And then once I had the product that I knew people liked, I had a number of ideas in the background of how I would sell and market it. But, you know, I, 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 like I said, I didn't want to start by spending a lot of money in this big build out especially not having ever been in a food business. But yeah, in business, I one of my mottos to myself has always been to keep things simple. And that that was you know resonating with okay, I'm keeping things simple and that I'm just testing out. It was it was more research that first quarter. Yeah. Okay, so I I want to talk about that research because I am imagining that you had to do a ton of research, not only in how to make the cookies, but also in what the market need was and in putting together the business. So can you kind of talk about what what research you did to understand what was happening with consumer demand for cookies in Michigan? And then you said that you had a plan to be a national company. So did you look at the market demand nationally? Just kind of what, what was your homework like? 
Yeah. I did do a lot of research. So I did research on luxury cookies. And at the time, I didn't see anything in the luxury category that was at the level that I wanted to be. So, you know, I did a lot of internet research and I did research in terms of retail because, again, I wasn't sure if I was going to be a retail brand, if I was going to be an online brand. I didn't know what what I was going to be, but I didn't see um, a lot of competition in that overall luxury cookie space. So that was the basis of what I was trying to um, create was a cookie that was like beautifully packaged and really intricate and very over the top and very luxurious. So the research definitely went a long way telling me, okay, I have something that that there's not a lot of other competition in. That was where it started. Again, I figured that let me at least create a product in that category. So when I initially launched that first season, I was wrapping these cookies. Each cookie was wrapped in an individual ribbon and it was just very over the top um, and trying to be as luxury as I, I could make it. I mean, I can think of two brands that are really doing that luxury cookie well, but I think you're right. It's something that is is relatively new, I think, in the U.S. market to just go over the top with cookies that are truly an experience. Well, at the time, and I I know some of these other companies now, but at the time, this was 2017, so one of them at least didn't exist at the time. So to me, there there were the long-standing, really large companies, but there wasn't that front runner in the luxury. There wasn't the Godiva chocolate of the cookie at the time. This season of Troubleshooting Innovation is sponsored by the National Honey Board. Honey truly is Mother Nature's sweetener, from the beehive to your bakery food. It comes from every corner of the world and provides a sense of time and place. It's flavorful, functional, and composed of a complex mix of carbohydrates, acids, minerals, antioxidants, vitamins, and prebiotics. And while honeybees are making honey, they're also pollinating more than 35% of the foods we eat. Learn more at www.honey.com. So we're going to sort of get into the whole journey and where you are now, but just reflecting on how you got started, are there things that when you look back that you would do it exactly the same way? Are there things when you started the company that you would do differently now that you have a bit of hindsight? Definitely things that I would keep the same and a lot that I would change. I went through an extreme learning curve. Literally, we started with measuring cups because I I didn't know how production baking worked. And so that first holiday season, we were making batches that were 20 cookies with small mixers. Again, I didn't want to invest in massive equipment, but I could have saved myself a, a lot of labor time that first season in just even investing in a 20-quart mixer right away and realizing people use scales to measure ingredients. So it was just part of my journey. And it's kind of funny looking back into how I started. The other day, I was looking at some of my original recipes and they had two cups of sugar and one cup of butter, whereas now we're at like 45 pounds of this and much larger batches. But Again, it, it provides comic relief for me looking at, you know, where I started and where we are now. And it's it's fun to look at. 
I, I like how I started. I like that I started small and didn't didn't invest right away in anything major until I could see that this could be a sustainable business. So I think I've done okay. You know, it's mostly things that I feel good about the decisions I've made. Would you say that the business background that you have, like having experience in business made you a little bit more fiscally conservative so that you did exercise a lot of caution as you started and really took those baby steps to, I'm not going to invest a lot of money until I really know how to bake? Well, it was more that I understood the finance side of businesses to me so important and you can have the very best product in the world but if you don't understand the numbers of it and what your costs are and lots of different pieces of the financial side to me it's it's, it's going to be a very tough go unless you know how to do that yourself or you want to put a lot of money into somebody that can do that for you so yeah i think that most of my decisions were business-based. And obviously there was this dream behind it to build something really, really big. But to me, it was figuring out, okay, let me launch a product. And then once it was launched, then I was going to figure out what my marketing plan was. So in the background, while I'm working in this church kitchen, I, I was looking into buying food trucks. I was looking into how to stand out in on the internet. And so there was a lot going on in the background as well. You mentioned like the storefront and considering retail truck. And and that is one of the questions that I have on the list. You and I have talked about this before. And I will just never forget what you said because a lot of people don't choose to go into manufacturing, especially women. Usually we sort of fall into it or experience it or discover that manufacturing and engineering is something that we were designed for. And so you you made that conscious choice. You had a choice to go the online route or the storefront route or the food truck route. Why did you and how did you land on on manufacturing for your cookies? Why not start out in a retail shop or in a food truck? Well, I actually started out doing a little bit of everything. I was manufacturing, but on a really small scale, and it wasn't profitable in the beginning because I didn't have the automated equipment. But I knew in my head that once I proved the concept, that was one option to be a wholesaler, to to get things really systematic and, and manufacture and not go the retail route at all. But I, I did buy a food truck, and I did have a small retail storefront, and I did online, and I started in wholesale. So I, once I proved my concept, I... I figured, let me try all of these avenues and see what fits me best. I slowly ruled out, okay, online, I didn't want to compete in that space. I'm not a social media person. And that's really what it takes there. The food truck, I still do have two retail food trucks that do quite well. We book a lot of events. But I could quickly see that my personality and where I wanted to go to scale really large, that it was going to fit me best to do something that was very systematic and very scientific and so that came to the forefront, but that was a few years away because that I could see involved buying, spending a lot of money on equipment. And I still wasn't ready after six months to go and invest, you know, several hundred thousands of dollars in automated equipment to be able to really play in that space. So yeah, it, it wasn't that I just started right in manufacturing. I, I wanted to get there, but I needed to establish myself to be large enough to be able to go out and get the financing to go that route. What did that process look like? At what point did you say to yourself, okay, this is going to be bigger than the food truck 
and it's going to be bigger than just in my neighborhood and in my area. Like I can take this places and I'm going to have to start planning for investment and equipment. How did that sort of play out in your mind and in your business? So my first year, I bought the food truck. I put it out there and marketed it a bit and things things were going well. And I had a small retail storefront in, a, in an artisan market and the cookies were selling well. And to me, everything I knew about financing, you know, you can't, it, it's much harder to come with just a concept versus coming with actual sales and revenue. So I had to build up and, and try to sell as much as I could in that small you know, space that I was in with my food truck and the retail market and some online sales. And so that was what I focused on the first year, really hustling and, and trying to sell as much as possible. And I started bringing on some wholesale accounts at some local grocery stores and knew though in the wholesale space, unless you're manufacturing, it's it's really not profitable. I mean, you can't be making things by hand, at least not in the cookie world. It's very difficult to be doing everything by hand and, and making enough money to be able to afford all the distribution and making sure the store can make their margin and all, you know, everything is expensive. So right. my plan was after about a year to start looking at what financing was available after I could show some revenue. So that's what I did is I went to a community organization after I had a year um, of, of decent numbers basically broke even my first year, didn't didn't make or lose money, but I had decent sales. And then I went and started going for some financing to take the next step and secured a loan. That loan actually was something that I used to build out a bigger retail space. So after one year, I didn't go right into manufacturing. I went and built out a, a decent sized retail space and needed to increase my sales because the loan that I got wasn't enough to go out and buy the big equipment at that point. Then from there, I did a year in retail, started getting noticed. I was at that point approached by a few companies that wanted me to private label products for them. So they had had my cookies and it came organically that I was approached. I didn't put myself out there, but I knew, to me, I knew if I built something really good, it would come. Yeah. And that in my head, even though I was going this manufacturing route out right away, I knew that if I built something really good, I would get noticed for the bigger opportunity after a year, still getting my feet wet in my mind of like, okay, what are my flavors? What am I, what is my really true core product and what are my flavors? So yes, I got noticed and a growing franchise group approached me and asked if I would make products for them. And of course, at that point I was like, okay, great. This is my start into manufacturing. So once I had that first contract and then I quickly after secured a really large second contract, then I went to the bank and secured a much bigger loan and started buying the big equipment. Wow. And then you started buying that big equipment and you were picking up some good contracts. What did that customer base shift look like as you went from a storefront into manufacturing? How did the scale sort of shift? Well, this was now um, the very beginning of 2020. And in that year, I had, when I made that shift, I, I experienced 10x growth that year. So it was the pandemic and you know, retail. It was very timely because the retail store that I spent all of 2019 really getting launched and establishing 
we were now closed for any business other than delivery business. And at the very same time, so this was in April of 2020, in February of 2020 was that when I got approached by the first private label client. And then in April, the much bigger client came to me and said, hey, do, would you consider private label? I like the depth of your product line. Yeah, I just, to me, it was like, okay, this is exactly what I planned on happening in my mind of switching into more of this manufacturing realm. I didn't really even realize that private label was going to be the way that I was going to do it. But yeah, I, I think that everything rolled out pretty organically. Yeah. I'm over here kind of giggling because, I mean, basically what you're telling me is that in February of 2020, somebody came to you and said, something really bad's about to happen and I'm going to keep your business alive. Here's an opportunity that's going to change the course of your business when retail shuts down. Exactly. And it was kind of magical the way that it all played out because 10x growth in the year of the pandemic was something that was amazing for me. But you know, looking back, it, it was pretty magical how it actually happened because most businesses didn't have that type of growth that year. 2020 was the year this all fell into place for me. And there, you know, there's obviously so many more details to what went on behind the scenes here because here I am now with this store that I built out all of 2019 and you know, open midway through 2019. And in my head, that store was something I was considering franchising. And, you know, there, there were a couple different business plans I was kind of playing with behind the scenes. But these opportunities came in early 2020 that ended up completely solidifying my venture into manufacturing. And that was definitely the, the way for me to go when everything was closed. Yeah. I mean, those pieces of the puzzle really like came together in the midst of a really bad storm. <laughs> All right, so we're going to we're going to dive deep into sort of your journey through manufacturing and look to the future by the end of this podcast season. We're going to really have a good grasp on where you're heading into the future. But right now, I want to know as far as your clientele, what's your mix of contract manufacturing and branded product that you sell nationally. Where are you with that now? Sure. Most of our business is contract manufacturing. And we're now, this is the first year I've started really selling and marketing my brand. And so next year, there'll be a lot of growth. So contracts that I'm securing this year, a lot of them will start next year and be divine branding. But up to this point, it's predominantly contract manufacturing and private label business. That was the growth of my business. I, I wanted to build a big company. I mean, that was the goal. It wasn't that I needed to have this, um, you know, yes, I, I wanted to have a brand ultimately, but it was more about building something that was large and I could see myself employing a lot of people and just wanted to build something much bigger than myself. That was a great place to start it was in the contract manufacturing, but now I'm at the spot that I'm marketing and selling my own brand and, and have the know-how of how to produce. And so all of my new business that I'm bringing on now, I'm no longer bringing on any more contract manufacturing and I'm, I'm focused on my divine brand now. But you're keeping the current contracts that you have. Yes, which have been great and a really great way to establish and have cash flow to, to now focus on my brand. That's amazing. And we're going to get into this in a couple of weeks, but how many 
employees do you have now? You started not even knowing how to make cookies. How many people do you have working for you now? We have about 22 right now. And during the month of December, usually we'll go up to 30, 35. We're still making a lot of cookies that month. But our core team is is not huge. And in production, you know, we have about 14 different people. And then I have management staff and HR and basic foundation of, of people supporting me in administrative roles. All right. So this story is just so fascinating to me. Rebecca, I think that you've done something really interesting and I think you're growing a really incredible company. And there are so many established commercial baking companies. We're such a mature industry. And so I think that it's really great to to hear the newness of an entrepreneur getting started in cookie manufacturing and sort of bring the people who've been doing this for so long back to that feeling of what it was like to get into it in the first place. Thanks for sharing your your story of how you got started today. This was really fascinating. And I am so excited to spend the next few weeks with you as we talk about sort of your philosophies behind your product development and taking that deep dive into stepping into manufacturing and looking at how you're developing your staff and then ultimately talking about the strategic growth that you have for Divine Cookies. So that's sort of an outline of where we're going to go. And I cannot wait to talk to you next week about product development. Well, I'm definitely happy to share my journey. It's It's been rewarding and it's been difficult and, you know, but it's something that I love. And so thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's, it's great fun for me to share kind of where I've been and where we're going. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, I will talk to you next week and we will, we will hear about how you come up with your cookie varieties. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, the National Honey Board, your resource for Mother Nature's true sweetener. For more information, visit www.honey.com.